Welcome back to another episode of Coaches Exploring Clarity. And this week, we've got another special guest, Abby Krishnan from Singapore, joining us 12 hours ahead of me, where I am in Canada. Um, so she can in, you know, enlighten us from the future um, <laughs> on what's going on. But today, we're going to be exploring Chapter 23 in Clarity, and that's The Art of Sustainable Change. And it starts out with a quote from Peter Drucker, management consultant and writer, and the quote is, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And then it moves into another quote, which I'll, I'll just read just because it, it really struck me at how applicable it is. And, and that'll make sense in a second. That's a, a quote from um, a speech that Charlie Chaplin gave in a movie, The Great Dictator from 1940. It says, we have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness. And again, the thing that struck me with that is that that's from 1940. And, you know, it literally could have been written in 2023. Um, particularly, I think about this, the last 12 months anyway, with AI and things like, you know, the... And, and it just made me think, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same, um, you know, regardless of where you are on a technological advancement scale, these kinds of issues kind of rear their head. So that's the first thing that jumped out at me. Yeah, and that quote, the, the one thing jumped out at me, we think too much and feel too little. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, well no harm necessarily in, in thinking kind of to me it sort of struck me sort of depends where your thinking is directed that, mm. that is kind of more appropriate than you know thinking's okay sometimes <laughs> yeah for sure actually what this reminded me of the fact that it's charlie chapman in 1940 is when we were chatting a few weeks ago about our ancestors or grandparents or great-grandparents and how insightful they were in their, and the wisdom that they drew upon regardless of what the knowledge they had at the time mm -hmm. that everything that that they saw they they dealt with they they handled and and regardless of technology or what was going on around them this 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 whole just back to 1914 this was his this was the wisdom then just struck me that and it goes on to the leads me on to the next page that you know what we have we've we've always had this this what we have inside we've always had mm. and regardless of time or century or um but I, I what a beautiful quote i had heard that a very long time ago and and uh actually when i first read the book skipped over it mm. interestingly um, I kind of went, oh yeah, yeah, but it didn't. So to go to to Abby's point of uh, kind of really delving in here, what things say to us when we pay attention. Mm. That was what's wrong. Greg, what you said: um, the more things change, the more they stay the same. That's exactly what hit me as well when I looked at it, and um, you know, Lynn when we go deeper into what Charlie Chaplin was talking about and what the 1950s, 40s had, I mean, there was no telephone, no internet, 
none of the information overload that we have today, none of the technological advances that we are blessed to have today, and yet the feeling that existed and the sense of stress um, that uh, surely he's referring to with the cynicism and the cleverness um, and the machinery leaving people in want, I mean, that human condition and that misunderstanding of how the world operates um, has existed back then too. And here we are, you know, uh, 70, 80, 90 years, nearly a, a century in another uh, 15 years um, since that quote. And we're sitting in the same position where we could literally say the same thing about what's happening today with the advent of AI, with how people feel about jobs and livelihoods and what's coming up next, um, with deficit of attention as we um, as we see from internet and social media and what that means. Um, and so much being spoken about the lack of being present in the moment mm. and understanding where the source lies. Um, it just reads really true. So I find it's such an apt quote for talking about sustainable change because some things truly are universal, mm. uh, including the underpinnings of clarity and the understanding of how we're creating the experience of our reality moment to moment. Um, so I just, I, I mean, to me, this, this beginning is the perfect beginning for talking about sustainable change and what that means and how do you approach it? Mm -hmm. I agree. What, what I picked up on, Abby, from what you said is it doesn't matter if, uh, the outside misunderstanding is rooted in, you know, newspapers and uh, horses and buggies <laughs> or smartphones and AI, like outside in is outside in, no matter what century uh, you're in. And uh, just seeing how prevailing that was then and then recognizing like how prevailing it is today and the opportunity that presents for you know, us as coaches, but, you know, humanity in general to, to figure that out. I'm intrigued as to why, hmm, let me see what I want to say about that. Why Jamie put these two quotes together? Because if you, if you go to the start, culture eats strategy for breakfast mm. and then go into that, it's, it's absolutely intriguing to me. How, how did he even, come up with that because you know they, they are well again they're they're time apart but yeah um you know to to go to the depth of that this from five words to this beautiful quote it's yeah. um maybe yeah, we should invite jamie to join us for our final episode <gasps> and we can like uh well, ask all put, our favorite questions yeah put them through the ringer <laughs> on like like what did you mean here or why did you do this or what does this mean <laughs> Okay, I'm going to ask that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, my question. Yeah, it would be brilliant to have a reflection um, session right at the end with Jamie to just nicely wrap this up, uh, yeah. right? Because yeah. this quote, super, super um, uh, relevant for me. Uh, I, As some of you know, I come from an organizational uh, coaching and, and human resources background. So um, in the work that I do, the 
importance of culture as as primary to driving sustainable performance and sustainable change in the organization mm. um that is you know a truth i stumbled on about a decade ago and again and again in multiple organizations i have seen that reality lived out so clearly that if people don't culture is simply the stories we tell each other right and if people are telling stories that aren't helpful and stories that aren't productive and stories that aren't building the relationships strengthening the connections and aligning people towards um inspired action there's very little that a business plan by itself can accomplish and it's just i mean it's vectorizing the energy that exists in the organization right and that's really what culture does mm. um is it gives direction to that energy and that potential and drives it towards something that's sustained and tangible and results uh, in an impact far greater than a plan on a page can give us yeah i love that Abby, because it really points to the fact that you know anything that is a plan on the on the on a page is fixed and stable and has no potential for movement or a dynamic sort of you know collaborate collaboration or dynamic anything really and and without the human even connected component uh the strategy the business plan becomes useless Yeah. It reminds me in my corporate career my experience had been, you know, the 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 executive level of the organization loved talking about culture and trying to build culture when times were good. And then in times of crises or downturns in the market and whatever, they kind of forget that that's the high leverage point and they move into strategies and they forget about their people and they make you know terrible decisions and treat people poorly and they suffer the consequences um and it's you know i think it's kind of the same overall with recognizing the the power of clarity and being in a clear state of mind it's in those crises is when it's the most valuable not when you throw that out the window and try to do it the other way because we don't have i don't have time to get a clear mind or you know think about things that way so it, it creates quite a paradox i think in in uh, people's lives but in, in corporate institutions for sure absolutely yeah, there's, there's also something about you know, the idea of culture that and i know some organizations do indeed deal with uh let's say a cross cultural um communication sort of thing but like the culture is is within each and every one of us it's not across the culture or across the nation or across the the different countries so and the very fact that there uh, there is actually a, a, an organization that deals with it let's say implies the notion that there's something different between the cultures mm-hmm. it is diametrically opposite to to what again connectedness and clarity would be pointing to so you even the very attempt to approach something like a, a cross cultural situation 
is a it's sort of a non-starter. But if it's already working on a problem that that really doesn't need to be addressed at all, if you address it from clarity. Yeah, that's really got me thinking. Um, when we go back and look at the, the data behind it, you know, the while statistically the, the means or the medians of some of that data can point to some things, what every researcher has acknowledged is that if you look at the spread of the data, the individual variability is far higher than whatever the statistical mean or median is telling you. So theoretically, yes, it's useful. As a story, it's an interesting um, or somewhat useful, like carrying the map, right? Somewhat useful guide to carry. But if you mistake the map for the territory, then you're in a very difficult land because all it does is it guides some questions that you might ask or ways in which you could check your understanding. But Going back to the principles of clarity really helps you figure out what is the best way to form a connection with the human being in front of me, mm. who is the territory and not the map. Yeah, I love that distinction. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we, the the way you've put that, it's like I, I'm getting flooded with like um, experiences or memories of being treated like a map and not like a the territory <laughs> like it's uh you know that it's it, that's a the uh you know the impersonal kind of treatment of, of an employee versus treating them like a you know a human being like, and having that connection with them it's interesting and it is the failure point of most diversity initiatives today um, it's exactly yeah. that Yeah, I, I I see that where it's it's almost like they they treat in the effort to to make a difference and include people, they just lump them in another monolithic block and don't treat them like actual human beings. Um, yeah, it's a, a bit of a trap I think that they fall into. Anyway, the, the next part here on uh, 248 is like a whole page of the caterpillar metaphor, which I think is probably one of the earliest metaphors I heard from Jamie. And every time I hear it, it kind of uh, I don't know, resonates and re-sparks kind of that feeling of metamorphosis and reminder that, you know, it's already there within each of us, um, the blueprint for what it is that we're to become. Um, yeah, it, it it isn't. It's a lovely reminder. Because I, uh, the wonderful thing about when you think things, you forget them. <laughs> <laughs> a wonderful, a wonderful reminder that like the caterpillar can become a beautiful butterfly, and it hasn't just. There is no not one single thought that is crossed because I don't even think a caterpillar has a brain. Mm. So, <laughs> and it's done all that amazing stuff without one single thought, and and really points to sort of 
how indeed, you know, how we uh, always at some point, however far up, you know, the day that I become, I'll let you know the day that I become Buddha or Guru or Krishna or, <laughs> or anybody, if you like, because it just won't happen, you know, until I have a brain in my head. And and we're always misguided by one single thing, which is thought in the terms of thinking, not the thought, the creative power behind the thinking, is what I mean. Sure. And that's really, I think that's quite startling if you think about it. And it's, it's the very same thing that keeps us from spiraling up to our, you know, our, our beautifulness, if you like, to that, let's say, guru or Krishna or Buddha status kind of thing. Every time, every single time. I, I'm, what struck me, what you said there, Elaine, was, and I'm just thinking, how beautiful is that? That such amazing, to go back to the word transformation, such amazing transformation can happen, does happen, without any thought whatsoever. That's just, yeah, that's a bit mind-boggling. It makes, the, it makes sense out of, you know, the Nike ad, you know, the, or no, Yoda. Yoda, of course, you know, there is no trying, just, you know, just do, do it. Do or do not, yeah. Yeah, do, do or, or do not, yeah. 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 Well, last week we were what? talking about Star Trek, now you've invoked Star Wars, so I, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I knew you would, Greg. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a very ridiculous thought when um, when you brought up that example, Lane, which was, you know, to date, I've never heard of a caterpillar that has been stuck on the decision of whether to transform to a butterfly <laughs> exactly. or not and decide, yes, exactly. you know what, I'm just not going to do this because it's too risky yeah. and I don't know yes. what's on the other side Ooh, of this. That's, that's um, like scary. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, well, that hasn't happened. So clearly when <laughs> nature is not interfered with growth just happens and growth is the default uh, of nature and transformations whether it's from a seed to a tree uh, or it's from a caterpillar to a butterfly they they happen and they happen organically they happen when the system is ready um, and there just doesn't seem to be a whole lot of rational decision making involved in how that happens so i just i just found it fascinating that somehow we tend to forget that when it comes to our circumstances yeah. and our yeah. lives and what's next for us yeah or or i'm just thinking from that you know if there is some let's use the word as you did rational sort of process that goes on it is indeed wisdom inspired like let, let's say a tree will if, if you want to look at it like might think if it could rationally well you know i'm going to have to put down a few roots here because you know like on this hillside kind of thing there's a lot of soil and i'm going to get some minerals and i might get some water as well so i think this is going to be a much better place for me rather than heading off to the city where i might end up in somebody's fireplace kind of thing 
So there is kind of a rational thing, but again, it's inspired by wisdom, if, if you like. Yeah. Which again, we more often than not do very rarely, we're very rarely inspired to move, especially if it's something in the future that we don't know what's going to happen. Like, oh my goodness, can I turn into a caterpillar now? Can I turn into a butterfly now? Mm. Like, we kind of say, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? But I have to be a cat, you know, I have to be a butterfly. Like the butterfly just, if there's any thinking going on, I'll think, wow, I'm going to be very beautiful and I'm going to create a few little baby ones again. Or, or so the whole thing will keep on going. Like, just makes sense. You know, it makes sense that way. And we seem to re recycle nonsense in, in our human mind. Mm. Continual recycling of nonsense. It's funny for me because this metaphor um comes to mind frequently when I'm out for a walk or whatever if I see a butterfly or even like other aspects of nature um like in the spring is a good example when everything's kind of blossoming and stuff you know or just the reminder of that um you know the wisdom and intelligence behind life and it's already there and um the effortlessness and the ease at which you can become what you're intended to become without grinding away at it. Um, I don't know. For me, anyway, it's a, those constant reminders of just instances in my life where you 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 see something. It just adds to the relaxation and and uh, reminders to to not get caught up in my thinking about making stuff happen. And as a person who's like you know known for in default setting to action letting that be is, is kind of a recent insight for me that's really helped been helpful yeah the big one that i also take away from this is you know the concept of time right um there's such a an unhelpful relationship if you will um that many people have with time, with how much of it is available and how much of it is um, required to drive towards the things that they need to go towards. And what I have found in my experience, and, and I believe that's what Jamie's also pointing to with the, the metamorphosis is at the right time, things move and change. Realizations happen. You develop the right, the next level of understanding, the right level of understanding to help you solve whatever it is that you're facing in your life. And it happens when you stop fighting what's mm -hmm. going on. It happens when you stop grasping and searching and and holding on um, to things. So I just find reflecting on the notion of time and our relationship with time and how we perceive it in our lives um, is a really interesting place to fall deeper into a sense of clarity.
also one of the, the things on page 253 that's jumping forward a little bit that, you know, Jamie puts in the box and it's the top, the, the top one, if you like, you know, the inside of the three formless principles and outside everything else and the first on the list is time, space and matter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well said, Abby. I'm, from what you're saying, Abby, I'm reminded of in my upbringing, my parents were Salvation Army ministers. So, you know, very Christian focused upbringing. And as a kid, I used to think they were crazy <laughs> about their faith in, in God and things will take care of themselves and not to worry about things like this, this just um, unwavering faith in what they believed in. And now, like, I'm seeing lots of parallels, obviously, because, I mean, because we're all talking about the same thing, regardless of the label you put on it. But, you know, the the infinite wisdom and intelligence of life guiding us and taking care of the, and doing the heavy lifting. And I'm seeing, like, oh, that, like, I'm looking back through my, you know, those early years of my life where I used to think, like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> To going, oh, I, I, I kind of get it now. Like it's, it's quite uh, you know, interesting, and um, I don't know. I don't even know what word. It, it just uh, like seeing things with new eyes now is probably the best way to describe it. And Greg, perhaps even those experiences were, you know, the the ground that was preparing you for where you are right yeah. now um because yeah. somehow you've you've found this path in right and and this is making sense to you but things make sense to us when we're ready to receive them so somewhere there's a preparatory path because uh, similar to what you're saying i grew up in the um traditions of the advaita vedanta mm. which also um, the the unitary philosophical thought behind it um, is the single consciousness or the formless energy that gives form to everything and the form that's taken is illusory. And when that form dissolves, it goes back into the formless. That's the very much the philosophical underpinnings that I was exposed to because my grandparents were very learned and and you know they spent a lot of time with with those philosophical uh, texts. And I never thought I would stumble my way into this later in my life from a completely different direction mm. um, and find the clarity principles connecting me back to what my own background and culture had shown me and to what the yogis um, talk about in, in terms of, you know, the underpinnings of um, the yoga practices that we have. So it's 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 interesting how many of these journeys start to connect up um, and make sense at a later point, but um, it's it's hard to see that until you get to that point. Hmm. Yeah, I love, I love that. Kind of a good segue into the separate realities part of this chapter too. That you know we, um, you know, th th this has been a big insight for me is, is realizing separate realities for myself, but also for those around me. 
clients and family, especially that when, uh, when we're in conflict or, <laughs> um, you know, my dad was over the other day and we're butting heads a little bit about stuff. And I don't know, I just, instead of like digging my heels in and like, you know, the, the way we used to love debating each other on stuff, it's the realization of separate realities and realizing, you know, um, well, there's something here for me to understand about his reality. And it's not for me to convince him that my reality is, is reality. Like I recognize that my reality isn't, <laughs> isn't the reality. It's been very, very powerful for me. Kind of, I, I'm not actually sure if, if what I say is sort of correct, isn't even the right word, but I suppose in some sense it, it turns around uh, Descartes' idea that, is it Descartes? God, I'm hopeless with this. My reference is really poor. But the idea, you know, uh, cogito ergo sum. I think, therefore I am. Mm. It turns the whole thing right upside down because the idea is you are. Mm. And therefore you think. <laughs> and I don't know what any other philosophers of, of the time would think about that, but it did just kind of struck me there. <laughs> in the in the idea of well set because of separate realities, because indeed we are, you know, we're each our own perhaps even not even we're not even the map and then the territory but we're all a bit of all of it we're all a bit of map and we're all a bit of territory but each of it is even perhaps if we should draw ourselves a map it would be different from somebody else's and likewise the territory of course There's two things Rather here that sorry, go ahead. Um, there's two things here that really, really hit home for me, you know, this really gaining an understanding of separate realities. Um, one is what you spoke about in terms of um psychological innocence and understanding that you know people are doing the best they can and making choices that make sense to them from their current level of understanding. Um, but even more powerful than that is the true embodied understanding of separate realities drives for me the space from which I can be curious. Mm. Because when I understand that where you're coming from and where I'm coming from are not the same place, then I have a lot more questions about where you're coming from and what your world looks like and how do you make sense of things in that world and why does it work the way it does in your view of things? Um, and that's a far more productive space, not just for making a connection with somebody, but as change workers and as coaches and as as um, people who are looking to 
to help and guide others. It's also the space where we can start to um, start to perhaps get a sense or, or create the conditions for transformation to happen. So to me, this, this understanding of separate realities is really amazing in personal life, but massively applicable um, professionally as well. Mm. And tying me up, you know, to Jamie's concept of getting on the raft with somebody and then yeah. taking them to the edge of the raft. The, the, the reality that the separate the separate part is at the edge of the raft. And and yeah, the the, the power in being able to see that in somebody else as a change worker to be able to then point them into a, a, a direction that would be more useful for them is is huge. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great what, reminder, sorry, the curiosity no, no, no. part of it, you know, the um because I, I know for myself when I'm coaching people, you know, I often get confused between am I looking at their map or my map <laughs> right now? And it's it's so easy to fall into back into your own version of things. So, you know, the, when you realize the separate realities component of it, it there's just so much to learn. Like, the, the, like if you use the metaphor of the map, it's like literally every square inch of that map you could explore with them and ask them about it and you know what does this mean like you know there's a, a symbol here what does this mean because in my world it means this but for you what does that mean um yeah so just that uh, it's kind of like the you know the, the the underpinnings of curiosity is the realization of separate realities really you were going to say something yeah, I've forgotten what that was now. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was all the way in there. Um, it doesn't matter. I can't remember. You said some, something, and I don't know exactly what you said there, Greg, just made me think about, you know, as, as you investigate and you know, check out your symbol versus somebody else's symbol, or, you know, what does that mean for you? And like, oh, well, this means something else for me. It's sort of from the one side, like the huge the potential of change work and the work that we do, but also how the work that we do in the sense that you're saying, Greg, about getting to getting really, really, really in, into an in-depth conversation, understanding um, somebody else, automatically sort of implies that at the same time that you create the connection with somebody to be able to help them with their insights and thought processes even, it, it sort of shoots right back to you because at the same time, they create their own connection, which then they take out into connecting with somebody else because what they need, you give them but then they take what they get and go and give it to somebody else. It's automatic. So like the, it's just a continual, it's this expanding web of connection. It's 
Yeah. And again, the idea as well that, you know, coaching is never a one-way thing. It's not a directive thing. It's not a, oh, you've got this problem. Well, uh, we'll have a look at that then. It's just this, these two bodies going along together. But the two bodies that as they go along, like let's say the coach on one side connects to more people, uh, but also the coachee at the same time is able to connect because of their new understanding to even more people and be understood and then likewise allow somebody else to be understood and and further create. It really is huge, this, this idea of, of a, a un, sort of a unison of separate realities. But nobody says that mm. one reality is right or wrong, but, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a paradox in itself as well. Where, where the separation actually comes together and stays separate. Love it. <laughs> I just had an image there of the pebble in the pond. That's what came up for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Well, the next section in the chapter is the network effect, and I think you just basically described it. <laughs> Thanks, Elaine. <laughs> yeah, beautifully. <laughs> and it, it's funny because when you were describing like the the coaching part of it, and then thinking about like, you know, like in my own life, like the implications of me being on this journey with you guys and with Jamie is that there's been a spillover effect with my wife and my kids, my dad and, you know, other people that are in my circle or in my life. Similarly, I can imagine the people that we each work with as clients when they go through transformations or have insights. And, and I don't know if this, you know, goes back to the kind of the butterfly effect since we were talking about butterflies earlier, but, you know, and, and what you just described Elaine is the pebble in the pond, but there, there's, you know, there's so much potential impact from one conversation or one insight that could affect uh, literally thousands of people. Um, you know, Abby's working in organizations, like you could work with one leader and next thing you know, there's literally thousands of people impacted by it one insight that that person has so it's uh i don't gives me goosebumps yeah. kind of thinking about it <laughs> yeah i'm thinking of a client of mine who has been totally fascinated by basically everything that, that jamie does and he's now reading the book and i've pointed him in the direction of this this very thing that we're doing mm -hmm. and and right at the beginning it was sort of his kind of big Relevation was at the time he said, Oh, you know, I, I get this. I just do not want to be in this job anymore. There's a whole, there's a, there's a, a huge organization. It's a multinational company, engineering company. And he said, They just don't understand anything. They just have not got it. And there's just, so I'm, I'm going to, I want to, I want to do what you're doing, Elaine. I want to do some coaching with people. I just don't want to be in this job anymore. Blah, 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 blah. As you can imagine, I mean, sensibly so. He didn't just hand in his notice like on the next day, very sensibly. Thank God for that. Because we just had a conversation this morning. He's still in the job, loving it. <laughs> and <laughs> he's got a new contract. Um, right now, he, which he's not quite so happy about, he's flitting about all over Europe for one thing and another and the various subsidiaries and kinds of things. 
But he's now what he's doing now, which I think is awesome. He's trying to work out how he can bring the work that he's doing into the very company that he so, you know, spoke so badly about, which I think is just awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that sort of transformation. You know, we had one little transformation, which kind of, mm, not bad, okay, good, you've made some decisions. But then, like, just to take the whole thing back to where he's come from, from a different level, of course, the spiral goes up, I think it's just tremendous. You know, how's that? How's that? <laughs> the leadership, if you like. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. This is such an exciting thought. You know, Jamie talks about um, his, his vision for a world where um, there's a generation of children who've, grown up with this implicit understanding. And uh, when I think about organizations, I think about leaders who are operating from this implicit understanding. And um, again, uh, geeky sidebar, current research shows that narcissistic and psychopathic tendencies or traits are way higher in leadership populations than in the general population. <laughs> now, that's an alarming um, piece of, of uh, research data that's that's coming at us. Um, and for me, I, I, I kind of, you know, um, when I look at people like me who are sitting on the cusp, both on the inside of organizations as well as uh, exploring and, and operating um, less often than I'd like, more often than I used to from this understanding. Um, I I genuinely see an amazing potential because leaders have an outsized impact, whether they want to or not, whether they like it or not, and whether we like it or not. And if that impact could be for the positive and it could come from this space of innate clarity and compassion and an understanding of the psychological innocence of people, um, and an ability to have a clear mind in crisis um, with an inside-out thinking uh, on how performance is created and the space from which performance happens. My God, the amount of time that we spend on conflict resolution trainings and influence trainings and whatnot, uh, we, yeah. we wouldn't need any of that. You know, we, we wouldn't need so many, uh, again, outside-in programs on well-being. Because yeah. what we're trying to do is load yeah. more and more when what we actually need is less. Yeah. Everything you I just described that. there um, reminded me of a conversation Lynn and I were having with a group yesterday about upstream and downstream, like conflict res- like all those things that you just described are so downstream dealing with symptoms. <laughs> yes. uh, it's uh, And that's where a lot of time, money and effort is focused, but it, it's not getting to the the root of the problem. Um, yeah. Looked like you were going to say something, Lynn? No, no, it's astonishing to me because it's 20-something years now since I was in uh, Abby's world when I was in uh, organization uh, and cultural change, and it's, it's astonishing to me still looking and noticing that it looks the same to me that they're taking it's astonishing they're taking the same approaches there's the same thinking it is separate 
you know, there, there is a program, a group of people trying to do something to another group of people. It's, it's astonishing to me. So if one leader, two leaders, five leaders, let's not hear how many it is, just let's get to them because it's a, it is, it's a waste of time, waste of money, waste of effort. And it's so disparaging to everybody in that organization to not recognize that, you know, they're, they're part of something, they're worthy, they have value, they have wisdom of their own, they don't have to be told everything. It's it's just mind-boggling, it's mind-boggling. It's, yeah, it distresses me from time to time, but that's a whole other thing. So, yeah, downstream, upstream. On, uh, on 252, I highlighted this whole section, which I'll read. What would your company, organization, or community be like if everyone in it had an insightful understanding of the principles behind clarity? What would your world be like if everyone you knew had an insightful understanding of the inside-out nature of life? How would they behave if they already felt good in, if they already felt good in themselves and about themselves? How would they act if they were guided more by wisdom than by contaminated thinking? And then it, it goes on and then says, "We have good reason to be hopeful." But uh, yeah, I often have wondered that about. <laughs> The places I've worked in my career. What what if it could have been like that? <laughs> yeah, and what I ask myself is, you know, what if what if it could have been like that? And what if I can be more like that? Because mm. that that is the starting point, right? And, and it's the is the fundamental bedrock of of influence. Um, you influence through who you are and how you show up and not through what you say mm. uh, and therefore the idea of you know bringing this back into the corporate world for me is much more about uh, elaine people like your client who has decided to stay in the game and operate differently um, that's that's really where you know hope lies is more and more of corporate gardeners rather than corporate warriors. Um, just mm-hmm. changing that metaphor, right? And and moving from a control um, and attack paradigm to much more of a nurture and grow and thrive paradigm. Um, that's, to me, the, the holy grail on how organizations um, can be much more humane places to work. Um, and Lynn, there are some some good things happening. You know, we've got the ESG that is <laughs> I know <laughs> defying corporate citizenship into very concrete results, right? And for me, honestly, that has been the biggest uh, achievement that has happened over a period of time because the reward systems are changing. And once the reward systems change, people's orientation is starting to mm. change, and therefore the 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 momentum for helping people look in this direction and look upstream and look at cause, um, the the momentum is higher, the resistance is lower. Um, And I just find that there's a lot more receptivity, especially post-COVID as well, um, which has changed the equation from lead despite being, um, you know, a, a... um, not a great example of a, of a human being to, you know, performance is, is a ticket to the, to the stadium, but 
if you really want to be a leader it's about who you are and how you show up and that matters i think a lot more organizations today are in that mind frame um and some people just don't know how to get there which is i guess where we come in and where we have an opportunity to really help expand this understanding and therefore i think jamie's book has come out at, at the right time um to really capture um a need that i see a lot more um you know mid career professionals waking up and really asking themselves is this all there is i mean why 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 do i come into work what's my purpose how am i making impact how is this meaningful and why am i doing what i'm doing beyond the paycheck every month um i find a lot more people asking that question today than even 3 years ago so i i count that as a massive jump forward um and perhaps one of the silver linings coming out of the the very difficult times that the world has been in um over the last 3 odd years that is hopeful <laughs> Yeah. And and I was thinking about back to you Greg saying um how you have changed over the past couple of years and how it's had an impact in your family with your dad your wife your kids so there we are your kids are that next generation what are they going to go off and do yeah. what is their attitude going to be how are they going to approach things because for sure there's going to be a difference there if that's what they have seen there will, there will be a different a different approach a different viewpoint a different thinking and that's the you know builds that that builds upon that ripple and sends it forward I did, I did a facebook post the other day that uh, about my son he came down in the morning and the first thing he he said good morning he said hey dad i had an insight last night and i was just like <laughs> a the fact that he's using that language and like recognizing kind of what it is um and be the fact that we have a relationship that that we can talk about that like a, you know i'm sure as a kid i had all kinds of insights and i say kid he's 17 now but so he's almost an adult but um you know certainly wouldn't have been a conversation i would have been having with my dad at uh, at 17 <laughs> so looking at the clock maybe i thought i'd maybe read the very last paragraph in the chapter and then we jump into the thought experiment if that makes sense so in this last paragraph i think is the i don't know very profound but see if you agree above all remember this we're all humans we each have our ups and downs our experience of reality is being created from the inside out using the principles of mind consciousness and thought and while we don't get to choose the time scale new realizations can show up in any moment and when fresh realizations arrive our world changes and and then the thought experiment says what if there's a bigger picture here many forward thinking leaders believe that we're in the midst of a profound societal transformation could the fact that you're reading this book mean that you're an integral part of the societal dna for what's to come I think the conversation we just had would uh, be an yeah. affirmative yeah. damn right. <laughs> yeah. I think I mean Abby just about summed up both of those things both about the time scale if you like you don't get to choose the time scale and uh, 
you know, the change that you've noticed, however, you know, from that sounds to me like we we discussed in a couple of chapters ago, you know, the the the, the main shift, the main paradigm shift. That like sounds like what you said, Abby, you know, it sounds like beautiful evidence of people living in a shift. You know, it, you said it's oh, you know, it's it's appearing. Say people are thinking about, you know, well-being and in the office place or in the workspace and this kind of thing more. They're more open to, you know, so, and that is kind of hopeful, which I guess is the, the very reason that the four of us have connected here today. You know, for something that is hopeful. Yeah, I definitely believe we're in the middle of a shift. Um, and again, going even beyond the, the, the principles of clarity and the three principles world, if, if we go and look at the philosophical underpinnings of many of um, the philosophies and spiritual practices that are having a revival today, whether it is uh, Byron Katie's work or um, much of what we hear um, in in Buddhism or Advaita Vedanta or any any of those disciplines, and those are I'm familiar with with those more, but um, so many more that I hear about seems seem to have the very same universal truths at the bottom. Um, but more importantly, I think there is a there's also a profound shift happening in the way in which it's being received and transmitted, which is much more organic person to person, community to community, rather than, um, you know, organized back into the outside in hierarchical structures that brought in rituals and bureaucracy and, and rigidity of thought um, in the past. So for me, that organic form uh, of awakening is actually the, the biggest positive and um, sign of um of not just a societal transformation, but that this time that societal transformation is happening in a way which is going to be very difficult to control, manipulate, and um, shut down. Mm -hmm. So that that I find to be a very interesting. Um, well, it, it's it's certainly my reality, and I, I am very cognizant. We all live in separate realities, but this is what <laughs> I am seeing. Yeah. And it's also, it sounds to me, something that AI can never replicate. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty safe in our job. Yeah. Well, what I, I heard from what Abby was saying, it, it's, you know, to use kind of organizational jargon, it, you know, the this um, shift is going to be a, a more of a bottom-up shift than a top-down shift because, you know, whether it's, um, you know, the, the, the ability, you know, the fact that we, the four of us can do this recording and put it on the internet and you know i i know maybe 20 people will watch it but it has the potential of being watched by millions <laughs> <laughs> um you know the 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 groundswell of of a movement or of enlightenment or of a paradigm shift can come from the masses kind of bottom up versus you know uh, being fed what the the hierarchies of the world you know want and so on so yeah it's a, it's a very interesting time for sure 
All right, well, why don't we leave it there? And I uh, just want to thank Abby for joining us. It's like every episode, it's been a blast. And uh, we've enjoyed having you join us. And uh, look forward to seeing everyone next week. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone.